Well, good morning again. I want to thank you. I, I failed to mention that if you have a prayer request, you can text that in to us uh, at 469-770-3007. So I want to be sure and mention that as well this morning as we start today. Uh, two weeks ago, I shared that we were beginning a process to identify additional men to serve as elders for our church family and, and that uh, I was going to do some teaching around that topic for a couple of weeks in an effort to, to really help all of us think about this process in the best way possible. So in case you haven't heard that announcement that we're in the middle of that process, uh, be aware of that. Before we start today, I want to just say a quick word about that process. The first step of the process involves you recommending the names of men that you believe would serve well in this role. Uh, and you have two ways to do that. And, uh, and I want to kind of just talk about those really quickly. The first way is that if you're here in the room on your row this morning, there's a card that looks like this and inside that, on, there's an envelope and inside that envelope is a card. And on that card, there are just some information, some ways to help you kind of think about this process, but also there's a space for you to recommend uh, the names of people that you would like to see serve in that role. Uh, it's important you put your name on that uh, in the event that there are any questions about that. Uh, you bring that back by Sunday, February the 6th. You have between now and Sunday, February the 6th to turn that in. You can give that to a current elder. Uh, you can drop that in one of the boxes at the back of the room uh, if you want to do it that way as well. Uh, there's another way that we're going to offer, though, because we have so many of our church family that are still uh, watching online right now and, um, and in and out. And, so, and if you're in the room, you can, you can also do this if you prefer to do it electronically. We've created a way for you to do that as well. Uh, you can email this email address, uh, kcocelders at kaufmanchurch.org. Uh, you simply email that, send an email to that email address and uh, list the names of people that you want to recommend in that email. That will go to the elders. And so uh, we hope this will especially be helpful for those of you who are watching online. But uh, if you're worshiping in person, you can also recommend, recommend names this way as well. Really, here's the thing. Either way works fine. Whichever one you will do is the one we want you to do. Uh, whichever, whichever process you'll use, because the goal is for you to participate. And whatever it takes for you to participate is the thing we want you to do. So we want to encourage you to participate. Part of the discernment process involves you sharing names. And so I want to encourage you to, to do that. Uh, I want to encourage you to, to share someone's name, even if you think someone else is going to share their name and recommend that, uh, please do that as well. Again, you have until February the 6th to do that. Um, and between now and then, of course, we want to continue praying about the process and about uh, all that will go on with that and asking God to, to walk with us through that. So along that line, as we begin the sermon this morning, I want to start with a prayer, if you would bow with me again. Father, we thank you for this day again, we're grateful that uh, we can gather here and worship you. We believe, Father, that the tomb is empty, and so we have gathered here to celebrate that and to proclaim that we believe you are alive and that you're at work in us and in the world, caring for us and shepherding us in the ways that we need. And we're thankful, Father, to be a part of this church body, and we pray that you'll use our time together today to encourage hearts to lift our eyes again toward you. We pray that through the things we talk about today, that you will help us as we think about 
uh, this process that we are all involved in, that you'll help us to think about it with a spirit of, of honor and Christ-likeness, of humility and grace for one another. And we pray that you will be with us each step of the way as we walk in the days and weeks ahead. We thank you, Father, for all that you do and all that you're going to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we looked at the question, what is an elder? And if you missed that sermon, I encourage you because it's kind of, I'm going to build on today what we talked about last week. So I encourage you to go and listen to that. You can do that through our website or our YouTube channel or a variety of different ways. Uh, and today I want us to look at a different question. The question today is why elders? So last week, what is an elder? Today, why elders? And really kind of another question that's related to that, why elder-led churches. Some of you maybe didn't grow up in a church that was led by a group of elders. And so um, this, this question today that we want to answer, I hope will kind of speak to that. I want to first talk about, to answer this question, I want to talk about words. Uh, the Bible uses several words to talk about church leaders. And I actually mentioned these in last week's sermon, but I, I didn't give much detail about them. I want to kind of walk through them and look at them a little more closely this morning. These three words are the words that are commonly used when thinking about church leaders. Elder, you often, elder, overseer, and shepherd or pastor. The word elder, you, you, we, when we hear that word, we often think about a person that has to be a certain age, uh, as in kind of respect your elders, right? You're thinking about someone older than you especially, but maybe even just older generally. But it's, it's actually not necessarily true. That word doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't mean there's a specific age or a certain age. The word really means someone with life experience, someone with wisdom, someone with maturity, someone whose faith, I think this one is really important, someone whose faith has lasted and endured over time. An example of a place where, where this word is actually used is in Luke 15 when, when Jesus is telling the story about the older brother, the elder brother. This brother made some mistakes. He wasn't perfect. The story really is about two lost sons, not just the younger prodigal son that ran away. It's also about this older son who had his own share of challenges, but that's the same word that's used to describe this brother, just someone who's older, who's lived longer than this younger brother has. The other word, overseer, this is about as literal a translation as you can take from Greek to English. Anytime you, this title, overseer, is used, it's referring to the role of literally overseeing the affairs of the church. And really, sometimes we think about this connected to money, but even more than just being stewards of the money, the thing that I, I put there that I want you to think about is that they are stewards of the mission, right? That our mission is to share the good news about Jesus Christ with the community that we are in. And they are stewards of that mission, making sure that we stay on course with that focus as we function as a body. They're charged with the responsibility of, of making sure the local church is still being the church in the ways that we're supposed to be, that the gospel is still being proclaimed, that people's lives are still being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what it means to be an overseer, that if you get off course from that, that they help correct us and keep us on course. And then shepherd or pastor, we understand this one a little more easily because we understand what a shepherd is, I'm going to talk about this one some more in a minute. What you may not know is that we get the word pastor uh, because the Latin word for shepherd is pastor. And so a shepherd, we know, leads people, loves people, sacrifices themselves for the flock. 
under their care. And one place where all three of these words is used is actually in Acts 20. Acts 20 tells the story, Luke tells the story there about a group of elders from Ephesus who meant a great deal to Paul. And they meant, meant a great deal to him, to Luke as well. And I, wanna, I want you to listen to what Luke writes in Acts chapter 20 uh, about these men, these elders, these shepherds, these overseers from Ephesus. This is what he, he writes. He says, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, so now Paul's talking with this group of elders. He said, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. Paul went into Ephesus planted this church, lived among the people there in Ephesus, and became friends with and established relationships with this church and these leaders of this church. And so he says, I, I lived among you and I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of Jewish opponents, right? They're a church. He said, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. So he's preached, they've met in small groups, right? He's, they've done what the church does. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. So this is what Paul has done. And then he says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm leaving here to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I, know, I now know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. <laughs> For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. So here's what's happening in this story. Paul is about to leave on a journey, and he has grown incredibly close to this group of elders from Ephesus. He helped start this church, he's built relationships with this church, and he's become especially close to the leaders of this church. And he thinks that he'll likely never see them again, so he wants to leave them with a charge. He wants to leave them with a word. And so he calls them. He's in one city, and he calls to them to come to him. It's about a 35-mile journey that they have to make to come to meet with him. And they do. And as he gives this whole speech to them, and Luke records it in Acts, he uses all three of these words, elder and overseer and shepherd. But it's this image of shepherd that I want to focus on for a minute to help us think about this question, why elders? Why do we need elders? In verse 28, you may have noticed that he says, he's reminding this group of elders, he says, to be shepherds of the flock. And then in verse 29, he says that, the, that part of the role of a shepherd is to protect the flock from outside threats. Their threats were different than our threats, but there were always all kind, there are always all kinds of threats. In our day, the word shepherd is familiar, as I said a minute ago. Like we know what a shepherd is, but I don't know how much you've thought about it. We use it a lot here. We have the shepherd's prayer each week. We talk about that. We probably use call our elders shepherds more than we don't. But I don't know how much you've actually thought about that word specifically. 
Because it, it, we know what a shepherd is, but the reality is that it can still feel a little like, like an odd description for a church leader, right? What exactly is that? Because shepherds are, aren't a common part of our lives. But in this day that these words were being spoken, they were, it would have been an easily understood image. One of the most well-known places that we know, of course, that this word shepherd, the image, the picture of a shepherd is used is in Psalm 23, where the Lord is described as our shepherd. In the 23rd Psalm, we have this beautiful image of how God leads his people. God leads us like a shepherd, not with this iron fist, but with a staff that protects and that provides security for us. But that's probably the most common place where the word shepherd is used, but there's a less known place where this same language is found. I want you to listen to the words from Ezekiel 34. Notice, and as, we, as I read this, the, the description that is given that really God offers about God, right? And I think that the, how it applies to how we think about God as a shepherd and how we think about our shepherds is really important. So listen to these words. Ezekiel says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, God describing what he's going to do. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements of the land. I will tend to them in a good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Did you hear the description? Like using this image of shepherd, Ezekiel speaking for God describes God. And in this passage, Ezekiel is describing how God will care for Israel, but this is also a picture for us about how God cares for us, a picture about how God is interested in you. And I also think it's a picture of what a leader looks like generally, right? And I think the reason I want to share these particular words from Ezekiel is because I think what we learn from this is that God changes the way that we think about spiritual leadership. God changes the way we think about leadership, period. A leader, and particularly a spiritual leader, according to that passage, is not domineering, is not mean-spirited. A spiritual leader is a shepherd of people, a pastor of people. So why do we need shepherds? Why elders? Why do we need shepherds in the church? This is why I think we need them. This is one of the reasons why I think we need them. Because we live in a culture. Think about where we live, the times that we live in. We live in a culture where fewer and fewer and fewer examples exist where people can look at their leaders and say with honesty, that's key, that person actually cares for me individually. Hear what I'm saying. 
Think about the world that we live in. We need spiritual leadership, shepherds who care for us in the way that has been described that God cares for us. We need people to model that kind of leadership, not perfectly, but out of their brokenness and weakness to lead us because we live in a time where fewer examples of this kind of leadership look like. We rarely see in society leadership that, that where we feel like the leader who is representing us, who is working on our behalf, right, is actually interested in us, who actually cares for us. We live in a time, and we rarely see this, because really the, the, the dominant way that people think about leadership in our society is arrogance and selfishness. They are most interested in them. They all say often that they're interested in us, but often we don't feel like that they're interested in us, right? But God is not like that, and this is what Scripture teaches us. God is not like that. God is actually interested in you. God is going to care for you. God is going to bring you back. God is going to go look for you. God is going to do everything that you need, and God's leaders are to be like that. Back in 2013, 2014, somewhere around there, Lana and I, took our kids to Peru. Lana's, we went to visit Lana's sister, uh, Larissa, and her husband, Kyle, and their three daughters. They were missionaries in Arequipa, Peru at the time. And while we were there, we went to just be together, encourage them, see the church that they were planting there, and to work with them a little bit, get to see the city. Uh, but while we were there, we had some, had some fun and did some things, kind of touristy kind of things. And one of the things that we did was we went on a horseback riding trip. Arequipa is uh, in the mountains of Peru, and so we, we went horseback riding in the mountains. It was, it was, uh, it was great. And so you, we had this guided, a guide that was kind of walking, you know, we're all on these horses, and the guide's walking us down this road, around, riding in the mountains around the city. And at one point, as we're on this horseback ride, we're walking around, we're riding around outside the city, we see up ahead of us a flock of sheep and a shepherdess, a woman who was tending her sheep, and she's just walking with the sheep. The guide on our horseback ride, he's in front of us, and we're all behind him. And the guide, my brother-in-law, is the, the first one of our group that's there. Kyle is his name, and so Kyle's at the front of our group. The guide's in front of him, and we see this flock of sheep and the shepherd that are coming toward us. It's not a wide road, and we're going to realize that there's going to have to be some navigation of this small space. And the guide says to Kyle in Spanish, we need to all get over. And so Kyle, in English, turns back to those of us that don't speak Spanish and tells us, we need to scoot over. We're going to try to make room for this flock of sheep. And then the guide turns around to Kyle and says, don't, in Spanish, don't look at the, sheep, the shepherd in the eyes. Don't make eye contact. And so Kyle, in English, turns around and re relays this message to us. Don't look at the shepherd in the eyes when we pass them which seemed odd to me, but, you know, I kind of went with it. And so we're passing. There's a small space. We scoot over. They're not, she's not really interested in scooting. She's taking up, you know, as much space as she can. I guess she's got a little tougher job. I don't know. We're on horses, and she had sheep, so it might have been similar. But we're all trying to navigate this small space, and it's not a wide road, as I said. And just as we pass her, I just can't help myself, <laughs> right? Like, and it was kind of a, a little, this is a little bit of biblical humor for you, but I mean, it was kind of like that Sodom and Gomorrah moment. I might not have made it had I lived in that time. I might have turned into a pillar of salt, but 
right as we pass, I, kind of, I didn't make eye contact with her, but I turned around and I, I just wanted to kind of see, I'm like avoiding her, but then I kind of turned to see her. And as I turn around, she has rocks in her hands. And, and so then the guide says to us later, the reason that you don't look her in the eye is because if you look her in the eye or she feels like you are in any way a threat to her or her sheep, she will throw a rock at you and I guess take you out like David did Goliath. And so my life, you know, I guess I'm, I'm, I was playing with my life there. I mean, I just looked back just for a second and then looked back on the road. But as odd as it may seem as I tell that story, I share it because I think it illustrates really well what it means to be a shepherd of people. Someone that defends the flock from whatever and whoever is threatening. And it, does, it always has the best interest of the sheep in mind when it's doing it, right? And, and we, you know, we often think about people maybe being a threat. Even when you heard Paul talking to those elders in Ephesus, you might, you know, he said, there will be savage wolves come about among you when I leave. And that might, might be the case where there are people who threaten a church. But the only threat, that's not the only threat that, that churches deal with. And I want you to think about with that image in mind of this shepherd ready to take me out with a rock to the forehead I want, you to, I want you to go back 2,000 years. Paul is going, I want you to go back to this story in Acts 20. Paul is going around planting churches. He's starting the movement of God throughout the world 2,000 years ago. And as he goes about all of this area, he established these, these churches and he begins to appoint leaders in every town that he goes to. Because he knows that he can't stay there, but those people are going to live in that town. But the key is that Paul wants it to be clear as he's appointing these leaders that the way that churches are to be led is supposed to look different from the world. Spiritual leadership is supposed to look different from worldly leadership. Worldly leadership is almost always, I'll leave some exception because I know there are some really good leaders who are not this way, but worldly leadership is almost always about power and control, and is almost always driven by self-interest. But Jesus says, do not be like that. If you want to keep your life, give it away. Deny yourselves. Be servants. Jesus, the chief shepherd, came to serve and to lay down his life for his sheep, like this shepherdess was ready to do for her sheep taking out whoever it may be that threatens them. And now in the local church, the de defining quality of leadership is to be a servant like Christ. Ultimately, the elders, the, the leaders that serve under this body, I, I think are under shepherds. They're, and what I mean by that word, that term under shepherds, is that they serve under the chief shepherd. And part of what they do for us is they provide a physical presence of, God, of a God who cares for us, right? That we know that God cares for us, but God is not here physically in the flesh. And they are, but they are. They're around us every week. They know our stories. They walk with us through life. They pray for you. They love you. They're concerned about the spiritual matters of your life. Elders help create culture. I believe that a, lot, a large part of the culture of this church has been created through leaders that shepherded this body over the years, over the decades with grace themselves. And as they lead out of their imperfections, doing what is best for the entire church, 
They do that, and it creates a culture about how we're going to behave and function, which brings us back to the story of Acts chapter 20. Remember that Luke, in this story that we read, is writing about this church in Ephesus and these leaders from Ephesus who have a relationship with Paul. And in the story, as we read a minute ago, Paul has called all the elders from the church in Ephesus together. And he's saying goodbye to them because he's going to leave. And his mission is taking him to Jerusalem. So he talks with them, and they all say goodbye. I didn't read the end of the story a minute ago, though. And I want you to look at what Luke says next. This is how the story ends. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They're right there on the shore. He's about to sail away. They all wept, and they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. I love the ending of this story, and it's subtle enough that you might miss it if you were just reading quickly through it. They embrace and they hug and they pray. There are tears. They have a meaningful relationship. This is what you would do. If you knew you were never going to see somebody again, it's exactly what you would do, right? And they know that their time together physically in the body is going to be gone. They're sad because they'll never see Paul again. But notice that these men, these shepherds of this church in Ephesus who have a deep relationship with Paul, who have lived life with Paul, notice they never tell him to not get on the boat and to continue his mission. What they do instead is they walk with him to the boat knowing the cost, knowing that Paul Paul's life will be threatened. He will face hardships. Paul will eventually die. And even then, they accompany him to the ship. And that line of accompanying him to the ship, I think, is a perfect picture of why elders matter so much. We need people among us who have agreed to embrace a kind of servant leadership that we first saw in God, that we later saw in Christ, and that we rarely see in the world. I want to say that again. We need men who have agreed to embrace a certain kind of leadership that we first saw in God, later saw in Christ, and that we rarely see in the world. We need people to walk with us, to lead us, to accompany us to the ship. Not always to comfortable places, right? Sometimes the places where we may be led as a church, we go, may go, well, I'm not so sure about that. That makes me uncomfortable. And that's the point. Not always to easy places, but into a world that needs Jesus Christ. I want to do whatever we have to do as a church to reach our community with Je for Jesus Christ. And, and we need leaders who will help us courageously do that, whatever it takes, walking with us, accompanying us through our own sin and brokenness, walking with us and accompanying us through a death, a loss, a grief, a struggle of some kind, doing what they can to shepherd us and care for us and to help us more closely follow Jesus while we, like Paul, go on our own journey. And this is the why behind why we need elders and shepherds and overseers. And today, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you as you enter into today and in the week, next couple of weeks to come and into this season of prayer and discernment and the role that you play in that to consider those men among you 
who do what I've described for you and your family and recommend their name. Because, not because they're perfect, but because you trust them, because they have wisdom, because you've seen their faith endure over time, and you know they love you. And again, as I said, the cards in your row have some thoughts to help kind of guide you as you prayerfully consider this. You can list the names of people, as you, as many names as you'd like. Your participation is so important, and I can't emphasize this enough. If you're watching online, your participation is really important. You can use that email address, kcocelders at kaufmanchurch.org. We'll continue to announce and remind you about this over the next two weeks. Um, but this is our prayer as God leads us through this process. I just want you to know, church, that I love you so much. I believe our best days are ahead as we walk with God and we, with each other. Let's pray this morning as we close. Father, we're thankful that you are a God who shepherds us, who cares for us, who goes after us and doesn't quit. And many of us, maybe all of us in this room have felt at one time or another that you've pursued us. And we're thankful, Father, for that, that you offer to our hearts and souls a kind of care that we just don't get anywhere else in life. And we're thankful that you have, in your wisdom, have established and created this model that allows us to have people who will be a physical reminder for us about the care that you provide. And I pray, Father, that you'll be with us as we walk through the next couple of weeks, next couple of months as a church body, that we will participate in the process, that we will uh, let our voice be heard and our, um, our time be given to this process. We pray that you'll walk with us each step of the way, guide us and give us wisdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand with me this morning.